0: Hey everybody, and here we are, episode 27, the World Champs special. Casimir, did you watch World Champs this weekend? I did, I watched the downhill World Champs. You didn't watch cross-country? Nope. Oh. I don't usually watch the cross-country. It takes a long time to watch. It does, yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) As usual, we also have James here. James is going to read the news in a bit, but first, James, did you watch the World Champs?
1: Yeah, I was going to it all weekend. bit easier for me than you guys, though. Yeah,
0: that's true. Did you you have a highlight?
1: Um It was good to see Reese win. I like
0: that. Reese like Wallace. That. I bet you Giant is so stoked <laughs> that their free rider is world down what? Is that not no I'm just joking. <laughs> we also have Brian Park, our real boss here as always. Brian, did you catch any of the world champs on the weekend?
2: Uh I caught some of it. I, I had some technical difficulties.
0: Uh internet. I didn't policy. read the VPN article. That's why. Yes. Exactly. Oh, I
2: did I did read the VPN article. I ended up just finding uh, somebody from Eastern Europe YouTube streaming it. it was like the best workaround. But sorry if I'm blowing VPN up your
0: thing. Is that VPN thing? Those those things are legal, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> using a VPN yeah. is legal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just checking. I thought it was pretty cool that you did that, James. That was neat, and the people seemed to totally love unrelated it. to world to world <laughs> champs related. yeah, just, uh, yeah oh, just, just a public service be. just a man of the people what can i say right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right james tell us about the news
1: sure um we've launched a tv show the pink bike academy trailer dropped last week and the first episode might be out by the time we listen to this um so for the show we took 10 riders to big white for a series of challenges with a cash prize and sponsorship deal on the line it's definitely something new for mountain biking i think it's fair to say the trailer got a mixed reception uh but having watched the first episode it's not like non-stop drama as the trailer might suggest there's a lot of mountain biking in there and i really enjoyed it um brian what can people expect over the course of the series
2: i want to say that it isn't totally new for mountain biking there's lots of i think we got a Tip, tip the hat a little bit to the original uh, Ultimate Freeride Challenge from Race Face back in the days. And NSMB used to have a thing called the Air Prentice. You guys remember the Air Prentice? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that was good. Yeah, so it's it kind of takes, takes some cues from that, but now we have the capability to do a show and actually have the production and cameras and show people what's going on behind the scenes. We really, in a year where we had... N- very little racing or events, and we knew that was going to happen pretty early on. Um, we wanted to have a platform for up and coming riders to, like, yeah, show the world who they were, what was going on. There's so many overlooked, talented I want to say kids, but some of them are older, um, and they just need a platform. Um, so that's what we were trying to do. Um, people will get to know 10 awesome people doing cool things in mountain biking. Um, they have all pretty diverse backgrounds, and it's not just like a you know, racing is racing. The fastest person wins. It's not just racing. It's just fun, friendly competition, good banter, good fun.
0: There there were some grumbles in the comments. Oh, there. people like they... to grumble. People like to complain. Yeah, and I, I think... Surprised. Do you <sighs> think that it was maybe just like... Mountain, it Made it look like mountain biking is too mainstream now? Or what, uh, what do you think the grumbles? I
2: mean, I think about? people like to grumble. I also think that we... The trailer uses the most exciting dramatic moments and so people think it's going to be uh it it's going to be oh i'm not good with reality shows real housewives when what it's really going to be is more like the great british (laughs) (laughs) bake-off
0: i'm not familiar with either of those (laughs) no levy
3: you need to watch that if you do some uh let's see it's a family-friendly podcast but if you did something to clear your mind that made you really relaxed and then turn on the great british bake-off It's really good. It's like an hour of just zoning out and just watching them make. You just watch people bake. I don't. No, you leave. You trust me. Do what I said, and then okay, okay. Okay. It's 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 I'm open
0: minded.
1: It's the most watched show in Britain. It's It's more people watching than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Honestly,
0: holy shit, I had no idea. I feel like I'm out of the loop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, are there how many episodes are there for the series, Brian? What's the deal? There are ten episodes. I feel like I um, I should let people know that I those are actually legitimate questions. I know nothing about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually curious how many episodes there are and what they're doing. I'm excited. Yeah, Yeah, we went
2: out to Big White and spent a couple weeks there and did the thing. I didn't spend the whole time there, but Jason and Christina did to run the thing, and the guys from Boombox did an amazing job. And. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't easy to do in this, in this, the Rona times. Oh, I should say also, before I forget, um, thank you to everybody who applied. There were a lot of people who applied from outside of Canada and some people that we really wanted to bring in, but obviously couldn't this year. Um, I think, I think we've had so much fun doing this and I think, I think people are going to like it when, when the show starts dropping. Um, so we'll do it again next year. Uh, and I think we'll be aiming to bring in a lot more international folks. So thank you for applying.
0: I applied and nobody <laughs> next year maybe. Nobody got back year. to me. They didn't like my moves. They didn't like my turn bars? to yeah, follow us.
2: <laughs> I, I will say that that in terms of if everything was done was decided on entry videos, Vlad had the best entry video by far. Yes. I think even you saw that one, Levy oh i saw it yeah. many times it's <laughs> so good Vlad, my dog yeah so for people people looking to apply next year go and find vlad's entry video and just do that yeah just start hitting the gym hard yeah like.
1: <laughs> on to bike news then um so the big news this uh, this podcast is that specialized has released two new versions of the stump jumper trail bike um Stump Jump obviously an institution in mountain biking. We talked about it last week as one of the I mean that's
2: why they released it, right? They heard us say that it was
0: important. So they were like, ah, I <laughs> they guess. They were we'll gonna work. call it something different. <laughs> yeah. <when> they <laughs> heard the they heard episode 25 or whatever it was, and they're like, oh, let's stick with Stumpjumper. <laughs>
1: um so two versions again, you've got the Evo version, um, and that gets even more travel, more adjustability, and more internal storage, but keeps its horse link. Well, the regular stump jumper gets an all-new frame that uses a completely different suspension layout. Um, that one uses a, sing, a linkage-driven single pivot uh, with a flex stay. Levy, uh, I know you've had some time on the bike. Uh, what no? What differences are you are you noticing with that new
0: linkage? Uh, it's very different. Um, so, Brian, we're going to have this thing in the field test coming up, and people are going to get to watch a video review in about a month or so. Hopefully, shorter than that. Um, <laughs> I'm just uh how, I wonder how much I should tell people about this thing before before they get to see the video review. Not so, too much. Not, not too, too much. much. Okay. Just so like, I'll tell you guys lift, that, show your ankles. Yes. Yes, I'll lift I'll lift my skirt a little bit and show the ankles. Um It is an entirely, it's a very different riding bike. The last Stumpy, uh, very active suspension, tons of traction. Um, And I don't want to like overstate and say it was a a bad climber because no, of course it wasn't a bad climber. The things, they're rocket ships, but they are definitely uh, a little more active than some other designs and they used more of the travel more often, which is great for some people. Myself, I've always liked to bike with a little more energy and a little more pedaling efficiency to it. And that's exactly what the new Stumper, Stump Jumper does. Um, I've been blown away by how well-rounded this thing is, dudes. I like that you're using energy a lot more in your descriptions. It's a good word. Yeah, somebody said that about some bike somewhere. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense, yeah, you know. Nice. I, it was actually, uh, it was a car review. They were talking about some light thing. And I was like, that, like, it transfers over. It mm-hmm. makes sense, you know.
3: Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did think it was funny how many people in the comments, there's still this weird stigma over single pivot designs oh, where if, it doesn't matter these days. Like people, engineers are able to make bikes with a single pivot perform just as well as a multi-link layout. Yeah. And in a well, no, like, using
2: other, like, other links to do it, like, and like a traditional single pivot with literally one pivot is pretty limited for the most part.
3: Right, but there's, uh, even then there's ones that work fine too. Like there's yeah. people just say single pivot, like, oh, that's bad, brake jack, and like all these just terms that don't mean anything in the real world. So I think it's just kind of funny to see if you, there's so many bikes out there that are really good with all the different suspension designs. So like it's the whole don't judge a book by its cover thing. Like Specialized, they're not dumb over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can almost guarantee this new Stumpy is better than whatever bike those commenters own. <laughs> it's yeah. impressive.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: it's pretty... I mean, I will always say geometry
2: over suspension too, but it's not like people haven't been ex- obsessing over suspension for the last 30 years in mountain biking. I don't like your geometry over now. suspension on. I know you it's don't. It's not going to catch on. It's going to
0: happen. Yeah. I it's good suspension right, and so it good geometry. Well, I mean, yeah, but he's
2: right. If, if you How? had to choose between the two, you would choose geometry. But obviously, we don't have to choose. We can have both. Yeah, I'm just going to go with both. I'm not... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. We don't have to <laughs>
0: choose. But... Yeah.
2: Kaz. We, we made the thing is, we proved it with the Grim Donut. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's true. <That's> not <laughs> Kaz, what do you think of the Evo? I know you've had that for a while.
3: Yeah, I had a good time on that Evo. It uh, just kind of feels like a more refined version of the last one. That one didn't seem as much of a dramatic change. They made it mm-hmm. not even that much longer. How many longer, travels? But, uh, it's 150 now. 150, 160. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, the other one was 140, 160. And it was one of those bikes that made you want to ride it harder. and And lots of people were putting longer stroke shocks on it. And kind of making it into what this new bike is.
0: Coiling so. it, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I got so a no, question for you. Yeah. Okay, so both you and I think the Enduro, the Specialized Enduro is a hell of a bike. Mm-hmm. For where you live, Bellingham, are you picking that new Stumpy Evo or are you picking the Enduro? Only one bike. You're only allowed only to one Only
2: one bike. In your life.
0: It'd be super
3: hard. I would...
2: Yeah, I don't, don't even know. I'd the probably pick yet. the
3: new, the new Stumpjumper just because it is more well-rounded, but I would be kind of missing that enduro like in the bike park or on like super gnarly trails. you
2: can't get to the bike park right now anyway. i know so
3: that's why i just picked the stumpy evo but like it's, it is it is tough choice and even the other over the weekend like i rode with some people from specialized um that are pretty good at bikes and they were having the same exact conversation like just would
0: you over fork that evo maybe would you put another uh, 10 up front or no nah, i'd probably just keep it like it is. it rides well like i, I did this? ride. who am i talking to <laughs> <laughs> we already it's 150 one
3: it's 160 150 I put some six piston brakes on there we'd be good <laughs> Well, it yeah, has four piston brakes. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> no, but I think it's cool that Specialized made it. It feels different enough from the Enduro that you're not like there'd be the potential they could make that bike feel too much like the Enduro and kind of like cannibalize its sales. But you ride one and ride the other, and they're quite different. So you kind of it makes it easier to make that choice. You know, you want that kind of all mountainy feeling bike. It's the Evo,
0: the kind of bigger Smasher bike. That's still the Enduro. It's almost like we should do a video with a bunch of these. It's almost like that. We should almost compare them, hey? Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's some sort of upcoming comparison video. Oh, that'd be something to think about. No, let's not do it. Whatever.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I thought the most interesting thing about that new Evo was how adjustable it is, but in a use in a useful way. It seems like those adjustments are really good. I'm not. Hey, you know me. I'm the last person to be pro adjustment, but I think they do. Like I'm very pick the right thing and do it but the way that they d- have done those adjustments so independently of each other i think is pretty impressive yeah it's cool and i tried
3: there's six adjustments total i tried four of them because i i didn't go to the steeper ones because i ride don't six make bikes
2: steeper. but yeah, it's, it's, not. Ride so six. The, it's not it's not though
3: yeah it works i mean the nice thing is you just kind of make it's more of a head angle bottom bracket height adjustment and those are the things that make it difference how the bike rides
0: so kaz what setting is the bike currently in and what setting would you ride the bike in if you're keeping it forever uh yeah the bike i the one i ended up using is in the
3: neutral low bottom rack position so that gives it a 64 degree head angle and then all the bottom drop all the bottom bracket drop so so is that the slackest lowest no. setting that's uh no. no no i used it in the slackest lowest setting just to try and that gives it a 63 degree head angle and like a, again super low bottom bracket and that was just a bit too much for like the more rolling trails around here it was fun on like the shuttle zones where you're just kind of blasting down the steeps but Um, It does get lazy on the climb, so that the neutral low position I liked it the best, and then it shifts in the higher position just in case you have more rocky terrain. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think I know the answer to this question. Would you pick the Evo over the regular Stumpy? And the caveat here: obviously, you haven't ridden the regular Stumpy; you've only seen it. Uh,
3: That's kind of more where it really depends on what you're riding. Like I think the versatility of the Evo and the Enduro; those bikes you can kind of do whatever, other than like big XC rides, but. I mean, for only one bike, I'd still probably go the Evo for me and my riding style, but I do want to spend time on that regular Stumpy because I like the fun,
0: fast, little light bikes too. Like,
2: uh, it's, it's what, 500 grams heavier than the regular Stumpy?
0: The frame is 510 grams. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's impressive. Both of those weights are actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Even I that, mean,
3: it's yeah, that the Stumpy that Evo.
0: frame, that's the most impressive. Yeah. That one i really Like 1,800 grams for a frame with the shock? What the shit is going on there? That's crazy. It's so <laughs> yeah. light. Yeah, uh, isn't
2: yeah. it 1650?
0: Uh, oh, right. maybe it's crazy 16- light. Yeah, yeah, either way, it's yeah, super light. light, right? <laughs> Specialized pad- reminded me of the weight like 18 different times in here. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. It. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, boys. <laughs> Anyways, it's light. Yeah,
3: I've been, <laughs> yeah. been pedaling around a bike that weighs 38 pounds out of the box, so I wouldn't mind spending some time on the Epic Evo to get a little <laughs> knock some pounds,
2: detox. Off. Yeah. <laughs> oh god 38 pound bike in 2021 yeah that's read all about it
3: tomorrow yeah or the day you probably read about it whoever's reading listening to this has already read about it well we can talk about it then yeah it's the new norco shore so the shore is back uh it's the return of free ride that like they haven't had a shore in 10 years i think so the uh the first shore came out around 2000 it was one of the early free ride bikes it was around for a decade everybody's probably known someone with a shore owned a shore seen shores do bad and good things i wanted one uh, yeah i didn't really want that yeah but i yeah
2: i've got a bad I track didn't. record
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways it's back it's not like the original because this one has a uh, either pulley so rearward axle path i would have been has, way happier
2: Catch? No, no, no! I right. would have been so happy if they'd done like a giant monocoque section and just, <laughs> made just it like, like it would just rattle down the trail. That would have made me so happy. Yeah.
0: Nobody, nobody cares about any of these details. All they want to know is how good is it, good is it on the skinnies? Did you ride all the skinnies? I've ridden a couple skinnies. There's not as many. They're harder to find here.
3: But I did ride a skinny because I was on the shore, so I had to. So I did ride a skinny, and I didn't fall off. So it passed the skinny test. Uh, it passes the huck to flat test. Uh, at least what i've done um it's a different bike like it looked i thought it was gonna be this big super plush kind of like just yeah plush was the thing i thought if you look at it like it's got 180 mils of travel but it's a little different than that they have a a lot of anti-squat and a um a really progressive um suspension curve so it kind of ramps up pretty quickly comes with a coil shock but it doesn't feel it it basically like it makes you want to pump pump the terrain with it and it doesn't just suck everything up so a little more what i expected you to say uh, yeah like I wouldn't say feedback's not quite the right word, but you do notice more of the trail underneath you, but you can still plow through things and it does a really good job of, of that, getting that back wheel out of the way. So pretty interesting bike to ride. Definitely rewards an aggressive rider. Like if you're not on your game, you can feel like you're on a sled. Is that in the
0: field test? That is. Yep. Yep. And i I have the P train high pivot bike mm-hmm. in the field test. So we got two yeah. high pivot idler bikes, one in yeah. the trail bike category and one in the enduro category. Yeah. You might like the Shore Levy. There's no lockout lever on the coil shock. Oh, perfect. Yeah, good. <laughs> and
3: it only weighs 38 pounds, so it's it's really good.
0: <laughs> it
3: sounds yeah, that's a lot of weight. Horrible. That is, that <laughs> it, is so much. Weight. It's so much weight. It came with tubes, so like with the, with the tubes in it, it was 39 pounds out of the box, which I'm 99% sure what that's what the last version weighed 10 years ago. So yeah. Yeah, but either way, uh, you can read and watch all about it
0: in upcoming field test videos. Did you put a Roach stem pad on it?
2: <laughs> no, I didn't. I couldn't find one. I don't have any
3: Roach.
0: If stuff. they
2: came with a Roach stem pad
0: oh, as like a good. swag item in the box,
3: yeah, that would be next level. I still want that Roach like jean jacket vest.
1: The vest, yeah. yeah, I want that. Well, from super heavy bikes to pretty light bikes, then um, also new from Specialized this week is their Chisel XC hardtail um this is pretty much an aluminium version of the super light epic um that's been out for a while now um it's not just an afterthought though and specialized have put some specific engineering into this um such as um, smart welds and some flexi seat stays for a bit of comfort um and they've managed to produce an aluminium frame um that weighs 1400 grams uh which is not a million mile away from some brand's carbon hardtails and only 600 grams heavier than their own epic hardtail um Looks like a great Still option. A,
0: it's about a pound heavier than some. For well, least. well, I mean,
2: most brands, depending on... Like, if you're using just regular off-the-shelf carbon and, and in a regular factory, you're struggling to get your XC bike to pass all the tests at under 1,200 grams.
0: So, mm, yeah, I'm, you're struggling. I'm pretty sure there are some, like, 1,000-gram,
2: sub-1,000-gram. Yeah, there, there
0: are lots. Well, there's yeah. a
2: couple, but th- those are expensive bikes that are hard to manufacture the yeah the ask dan roberts sometime about how much of a struggle it was to get some of those uh early scots like they worked so hard did so many prototypes to get that what was it is, is, what's the hard scott hardtail scale i should know this mm-hmm. yeah um so down to that 950 or whatever it was
1: wait um and the last new bike this week then is cubes 215 downhill bike which was released just in time for world champs Um, although we've seen it at the IXS test sessions and various other events throughout the year. Um so there's two two versions again here. There's the all carbon one, which is gonna be twenty nine inch front and rear. Um and that's kind of more aimed at the racer crowd. And then there's a twenty-seven point five inch aluminium kind of park spec sort of one. Um, one of the few downhill bikes we've seen this year that doesn't have a mullet option, interestingly. Um so it's a horse link driven, uh downhill bike, as a lot of downhill bikes are nowadays. Um, it might not bring much new to the table, but it definitely looks like a great kind of value proposition, really competitive pricing on it. Um, one thing that jumped out to me was that it still uses imperial shocks as opposed to metric shocks. Um, Cube claimed it can get a bit more travel and a lower standover out of them. Um,
0: what do you guys think about that? I don't know how anybody is going to ride it with regular shocks on there instead of metric oh, it's shocks. It's not going
2: to, yeah, it's <laughs> unridable. <laughs>
0: yeah oh
3: man i, mean, I, I, say, I did think it was kind of strange just because you're buying a new shock and people still make imperial shocks obviously but it does kind of limit the number of options
2: it makes me think that they they made that decision after things were baked and they decided oh you know what this bike actually rides well with more travel or whatever
1: moving away from bikes then um shrams axis um got its first upgrade um with the new uh paddle so it replaces a sort of old pentagonal one um, with a lever that is said to offer a more traditional-feeling actuation. Um, it's a $20 upgrade, and Levy, it sounds like you thought it was worth that
0: $20. Yeah, I think most people will. The stock paddle, it just doesn't feel like a like a trigger thing it feels like a button and it's right the way that it sits up against the grip or almost like however you position it it's not terrible like it works just fine but it does feel like you're just hitting the edge of it hitting a button Mm -hmm. sort of thing um but the new one that little extension on the inside when you hit it it feels like a little release trigger um Yeah. yeah i like it it's gonna stay on my bike i'm not gonna put the old one back on and yeah this reminds me of the other last week, someone was commenting, they're trying to hate on
3: us by saying we're pretentious. So we're talking about our thousand dollar drivetrains again. So maybe, but for the $2,000 trains yeah, I'm wrapping up a review of the Shimano Dior drivetrain, and it's super good. So that should balance out any pretentious vibes you're getting. <laughs>
0: I only use Axis Casimir. I know the new lever. I'm not, not Axis joking either. Sweet, I
3: know you're not, but
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: okay. um, gonna have to end it on some pretty bad news unfortunately um as it was announced that bike magazine is shutting up shop um as a British rider I only kind of started reading it recently but I understand its legacy in North America is huge um the issues that I have read they've always looked amazing they seem to have a kind of a unique and original perspective on things um I did read the final issue and one thing I really liked was on their letters page they just published a load of complaints from people um about their coverage around diversity. Um you know, clearly they were gonna continue writing about what they believed was important no matter what flack they got from it. And um, I thought that it was kind of super cool um to do that. Um could you guys talk a bit about kind of what it meant to you as, as North American readers?
3: Uh yeah, I mean for me it was definitely probably the first I thought kind of like the core mountain bike magazine that I found. You know, there used to be I remember seeing reading Mountain Bike and Mountain Bike Action and those seemed like uh, for lack of a better term, like a little cheesy. But then reading Bike Mag, it kind of was about more about the lifestyle and kind of being a a mountain biker in the sense of the the way that I wanted. I think I it was probably like ninety five or ninety six. So how I are think. you going to
2: do RC like that?
3: No, uh, I mean that's how it is. Look at pick yes. up MBA, yes. anyone oh, yeah. ever? Like I love RC, but the Tonehead <laughs> Magazine to just didn't quite do it for me. We're like no. Bike Mag and Powder Magazine, like the another magazine under that same umbrella. Both of those magazines were like this is what I, the lifestyle that I want to live. So, um, and they did goofy fun stuff and they didn't take themselves super seriously, which was always great. Uh, So yeah. And some good writers and photographers as well.
2: Yeah. Their photo stuff did always raise the bar. Um, the, the photo editors there have always been amazing. We've worked with Anthony in the last couple of years here and there. He's such a, such a talented guy. I think the first, I think the first bike mag I ever read was that North shore issue back in 98. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know if I'd be mountain biking if I hadn't picked that magazine up in the, in the 7-Eleven or whatever.
3: Yeah. I remember seeing those pictures and just being like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like I can ride that kind of stuff. Cause it was so different from what everybody else in the world knew about. And that kind of like, you know, pulled back the curtain on the stuff that was happening up there. I was like, oh yeah, that's a coolest thing.
2: Cause, Cause I'd been riding like that. Sh- I had like a Marin hardtail. My cousin had a Schwinn Mesa GS hardtail and we were riding these like little fire roads and stuff around and you know that was i was enjoying getting into mountain biking but it wasn't i didn't like understand the identity or i wasn't all in on it and then i read that and it was like oh shit that's just down the road in vancouver Mm
0: -hmm.
2: like that is a thing
0: yeah for me i think it was um the place like without the gear stuff, you sort of like identified with the culture. Like you could open up an MBA or mountain biking or one of those magazines and get your review of the derailleur, the, the stuff that I write about today. <laughs> but you open Bike Mag and you would read about riding the bikes and like the places and uh, just interesting stuff. That's it is way more interesting than the gear. You know the gears. The gear can get fucking boring sometimes, but the stories will never get boring. I think grimy handshake. Mm-hmm. Remember Ferentino's Grammy Handshake? The one for me, that Lena Toast about his dog? Man, like, that was <clears throat> that was one of the most well-written things, along with a few other stuff in there, um, especially that Bryce did, like, amazing stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, Bryce and Vernon, and even, like, Kristen Butcher's stuff the last few years. And, like, they've just had a great
0: team for forever. And, yeah, it's one of those things you pick up
3: and you actually, like, read a magazine cover to cover. So,
2: And I should say, yes, we are speaking to a few folks that... We're formerly a bike mag about some roles at PB. We'll see how some of that goes. I'd love to bring some of those voices in. And I'd, I just, really, I just want to make sure that those folks are still doing things in the industry. Are you replacing me? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you weren't supposed to find out like this, <laughs> Levy. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. I think that wraps up the news. Let's head on to the questions. The first one, Jabatan? I think I got that right. Which one did we pronounce really wrong recently, Brian? I got, I got, oh man. It was Vapid Oscar. Yeah, Vapid vapidoscar. <laughs> vapido <Scar. laughs> We're not illiterate, I swear. Anyways... PBE user Jabatan, he wants to know if a debate about politics has any place in mountain biking. Uh, he says, for example, should mountain bike be an escape from the badness and stress of the real world, he says, uh, and everyone could just get along on their bikes? Or do those conversations also need to happen here in our sport? You can't ever get all
3: the way away from politics, even if you're on your favorite mountain bike site, or you know maybe there's a few sites you could, but it's part of it influences how you ride. Yeah, yeah. you know what sites I'm talking about that don't have too much politics, but even then you might find some. But either way, you know, like politics affects the world around us, which, you know, in turn affects where we can ride, how we ride, all that. And it's going to be some spillover, I guess I would say. Like, you're not going to find us, you know, endorsing candidates and stuff necessarily on pink bike, but you can't just ignore it completely. Um, it,
2: it's such a privilege to be able to ignore something or feel like you can ignore something,
0: and a lot of people can't, so...
3: And it's easy to scroll down, like your, your mouse has a little scroll bar, you just scroll to the next bike check and you'll be all right.
0: So we've only got a single question today, but we're going to make up for that because we're talking world champs. We had to kick Brian off. He's never he's never even raced a world champ, so why would he be here? We had to give him the boot. In place of him, we have Sarah Moore. She's all the way in Quebec right now. Sarah, are you going to do this whole podcast in French?
5: Mais oui. Comme Pauline Ferrand, prévo, ton préféré. Ça va bien Très bien, merci.
0: So, World Champs this weekend. First off, we're going to talk about e mountain bike World Champs. Three from Hungary failed the UCI checks. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty dramatic start to the week um, when three three e bikes failed failed the UCI um, checks.
0: Were they motor doping? What was going on? Um, I think a
1: lot of people kind of jumped to that conclusion. It sounds a bit more innocent than that. I've spoken to Regina Schmeidel, who was one of the racers who was um, disqualified. Um, so the motors they use were these e-powers motors. And if you follow road or cyclocross, you may kind of be aware of these style motors where they sit in the down tube and they um, interact with the bottom bracket kind of directly. So instead of being pedelec, where you put in a certain amount of power and the bike kind of reads your amount of power and and adds to that power, these just spin the pedals um, without any input from you. That Um, sounds
0: like the ideal motorbike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: So apparently the UCI had okayed these bikes um, to go to the World Championships. So the Hungarian Federation um, bought three of these bikes, sent them off with the athletes. Uh, And then the second the UCI saw them in the flesh, they said, oh, no, you can't enter. So uh, I don't think it was sort of knowing cheating. They weren't trying to gain an advantage. They just didn't read the rules, didn't know the rules. And yeah, got sent home. Um, So it's not too far, thankfully, Hungary to Austria. So not too far to go. But um, yeah, it just shows that, you know, this discipline is still quite young. And I guess
5: I wonder if they could have like swapped out for another bike or if it was like if your bike checked. It fails the check right now, you're disqualified.
0: It's sort of like race cars, isn't it? In that they, each e-bike has to go through scrutineering before they race, isn't it? <laughs> scrutineering is a good word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a real word. I didn't make it up.
5: It's like orienteering, but you're like, <laughs> yeah, <it. laughs> say we're gonna
0: yeah. do some scrutineering and put these. That's bikes That's exactly in the van. what the scrutineers say, Casimir. <laughs> I know they do. Yeah, they have their scrutineer ship, and they're like, oh, hey, we're here to scrutineer." I view. I don't know why this is so funny. It's a normal word.
3: Uh, that they, they undergo scrutiny. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. They do that on all the road bikes now, don't they, with their, their magic iPad and checking for motors yeah. and things like that. So yeah. I guess it it would make sense they're doing it in e-bikes as well. Um, because, I mean, you're cheating in an e-bike, you're winning, right? Like it's, it's 50%. It's a lot more of the bike than the person uh, compared to, say, a downhill or an XE race. So yeah, definitely good that they're checking them closely. Um, so the winners in EMTB uh, came from two kind of totally opposing backgrounds Tom Pidcock uh, who comes from a, a cyclocross background and Melanie Pujan who just came off the back of an EWS win and um, so again maybe it's kind of unclear what the best skill set is for this discipline at the moment and um, not sure but um, maybe pretty good I knew
0: all that. along that <laughs> Pidcock was going to win okay <laughs>
1: He had a pretty good world <laughs> champs. I think if yeah. if he was a country, he would have finished third in the medal table. On to the um bike racing we maybe care a bit more about. Um XEO. Um, we got a fresh cut track this year. So what did you make of that course? Looked like a tough one to me.
5: Yeah, it looked it looked great in practice, and then as soon as the rain just destroyed the course, it, it looked so scary to ride on a little bike. Um Yeah, I was not envying a lot of those riders who were, uh, yeah, when they were doing, like, some of those lines almost look like downhill lines. It was absolutely terrifying.
0: If it was that terrifying, what were most of them doing on hardtails?
5: Well, there was a terrifying descent, but there was also a maybe even more terrifying climb. Like, the it was kind of an old school course, so basically it went straight up and then straight down and then straight up and then straight down and um, not a whole lot of rolling terrain like we saw in Nov Mesto. Um, It was very much like a climber's course. And if you got ahead on the climbs, then you could kind of just take away with it. So it it didn't have kind of those close uh, results that we've been seeing lately in cross country. It was like all the races were won by at least uh, 45 seconds. And I think we even saw like Nino Scherter on a on a hardtail and a lot of those people who um aren't typically known for their climbing skills uh just wanted every um every advantage they could have on those really terrible climbs.
0: I just realized that Nino didn't win. I know. <laughs> no, what no, the hell? I don't want to break the news yeah. to you, you
4: know. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who that's, did
1: win, James? Uh, Jordan Saru won. And that's... It was a five-year streak, isn't it? Nino's Nino's won for five years straight. So that was... Six in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... Um, would you call it a shock, Sarah? He's been... I don't think he's won coming, a right? lot of
5: U23 races. Like, I was looking at his results, like, in t- 2014. Like, he, he had never won a World Cup. Um, I don't even think he had podiumed in a World Cup as an elite. And, yeah, came out and... One world championship. So, I mean, that makes it kind of an exciting race to, to watch. Um, he
0: pulled the Danny Hart, didn't he?
5: He, I mean, I you know his name. Like, he is always kind of fighting in the top 10. Um, but he's not, you know, he wasn't, I would say, a favorite going into the race. So, it was pretty. Yeah.
3: And he was, like, first off the line in the beginning. Like, he got the first... Bit. So maybe he just got so excited and just kept
5: going and going. Yeah. Well, Vader, there was another guy, Vader from the Netherlands, I think. He tried to take it off as well, like go off the front and he ended up crashing. And and then, you know, there's a couple other people like Avancini. So some of these favorites that did really well in the Novmesto uh, races, they were off the front and then crashed and then just kind of like went backwards from there. So it was uh, actually the men's race, the men's race was pretty exciting.
0: I saw an Instagram video. I don't remember the rider, but it was uh, one of the female riders coming down through a downhill section, a fairly wide open downhill section. And then Yolanda was like a thousand feet behind her. And it was like a 10 second video. And seven seconds later, Yolanda was like 50 feet behind her. Like the difference in speed on that downhill section was crazy.
5: Yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, I think Isla, Isla Short and like a bunch of other riders crashed in the first laps and, but I know exactly the video you're talking about and I can't remember who she was, uh, right behind, but she just kept catching people on that downhill and yeah. it's pretty difficult to do when the downhills are that short, you know?
0: Yeah. Um,
5: yeah. So super incredible descending from Yolanda and it was also great, you know, she came sixth. Um, but after getting sick at Novmesto and her surgery, we didn't really know what her form would be like coming into this season. And then with the sickness, it was like... You know how's she going to feel? How's she going to do? And so it was. Yeah, she said she felt good and was kind of just lacking that high-end fitness. So, but great to see her back uh, in the top ten.
1: As opposed to the men, I guess like Pauline Ferrand pravot winning not as much of a shock. Um, she showed great form in Novi Mesto and, and carried it through as well. Um, why? Do you, why do you think her winning margin was so great?
5: I guess in Nov Mesto in that race that she won, she just like went from the first lap she took the lead and just kept on and even in the Nof Mesto course which isn't known for those big gaps like it's not as much of a climber's course she was able to I think she won by a minute at the last uh, world cup there and I guess she tried the same tactic at uh Leo Gang and because the hills were just so much longer and you know she's a, a capable descender as well um she was able to extend her lead to three minutes by the end which is you know, it it was really confusing almost watching the live feed um, because she'd be riding one part and then the rest of the field would be so far back um, that it was a little bit like, how is she already there? You know, <laughs> yeah.
1: she was way out ahead, but there's a great fight behind her, wasn't there, between uh, Rebecca McConnell and Eva Lechner?
5: Yeah, there was actually several really good fights for the women um, early on. Actually, Yannabella Moyna. Uh, She was like fighting for third, almost into second, and then her dropper post broke. Um,
0: Did it stop going up or stop going down?
5: It stopped going up. So it was, uh, yeah. Not good. (laughs) Not good. Yeah. So she was like in a full downhill mode and the, the mechanics actually ripped her dropper post out entirely and put in just a rigid seat post. And then you could tell on that first descent that she got back into, it was a struggle. So after that, she was, I think she still finished top 10 um but was definitely like a contender for the medals so that was a bit of a heartbreak mechanical not much you can do uh, about that but I mean we don't see a lot of the we're we're starting to see more people with dropper posts uh in cross-country but it's still not common and then maybe that's the reason why right
3: yeah that's hard though because you think of like for all of us that ride droppers all the time they don't usually fail like that but when one fails, if you're an XC racer, you're just going to have that in your mind, like, this could potentially be an issue. I don't want to run one because I'm scared it might fail. So yeah. That's too bad that that happened because I want all of them to be on droppers and to have bikes that work well going up and yeah, down. Yeah,
5: totally. It's kind of, yeah, almost unfortunate for other people to have that in their head now and not to see the descending get next level for all the competitors. Um yeah. And then the fight between McConnell, as you were saying, and, uh, I mean, Sina Fry was in the mix for a while and then she dropped off, but, and Le- Eva Lechner right down to the line. Um, I thought McConnell was going to get it cause she kind of like had a whole second burst of energy after she got caught by Eva Lechner. And then, uh, she just fell on the last descent. Uh, and so Lechner got her right at the line, which was, uh, I mean, great for Eva Lechner. I don't think she's won a world cup in 10 years like she was kind of like it seemed like she was kind of over over the peak of her career and then to come second at world champs and mcconnell still got a medal so you know not a bad consolation prize at world championships
1: have you ever raced in conditions um as bad as it looked there sarah
5: Mm, maybe it's like a junior on a covet cup uh race like where i had to but basically i just remember running most of the lap because i didn't have the technical skills at the time Mm -hmm. to actually ride that kind of a course so to see i mean it was amazing to see even the men on that climb get off their bike before they even attempted like that left-hand switchback. So that is not something you often see now in cross-country. Was Vanderpool there? Vanderpool was not there, no. It
0: yeah. seems like to me that that sort of super muddy course would have suited Vanderpool and his cyclocross skills quite well.
5: Well, Pauline has raced uh, cyclocross. Uh Tom Fincock, who ended up winning the U23 categories race uh, cyclocross. Uh, Eva Lechner, also a cyclocross racer. So there's definitely a lot of cyclocross racers in the mix uh, who did well uh, at the end of the muddy race.
3: It's going to be interesting going into cross season after this because all these people are like, they're peaking kind of late in the year. They're be so fit when cross starts because they're not going to be like like your, your highs and lows of your fitness. They're going to be coming out of high and going across and just like tear everyone else's legs off.
5: Maybe. Yeah, it was super interesting. Actually, I'd never really thought of it that way before, but um, Bart and Rob Warner were talking on the live feed about how different athletes actually might do better at this time of the year. Um, and, you know, maybe that's why we didn't see Nino Scherter performing as well, because he didn't like the cold temperatures. He doesn't usually peak for this time of the year, and when you've been peaking for, you know, July to September for probably he's been doing that for 20 years. It's like, can your body actually perform at the same level a little bit later in the season so I'd never really thought of it that way like obviously they have you know really smart coaches and they try to peak for a certain time of the year and it obviously worked for people like Paulin Ferrand Prevost and Jordan Saru but um yeah it's hard to know if the races were at a different time of the year would some athletes perform differently
1: yeah definitely is it um is it too early to start thinking about Olympics and stuff like that do you think this will have any uh, any sort of indication for that down the line?
5: I don't know how they are going to choose the Olympic teams. Um, oh, yeah. There's such a strong contingent of French riders and Swiss riders, and I think it's only Switzerland right now that's it's like none of the points this year count. But uh, some of the teams haven't been chosen. Um, so people who came top five at the World Championships last year did get their automatic card, and they've said the countries have said they're not. Taking that away. Um, so, people like Kate Courtney, who might not have done well this year, she's still pre qualified for the Olympics. But I have no idea how, like, what the rest of the criteria is and if there's going to be an, a race early season that determines the rest of the selections. Because um, this year is kind of an odd year, to say the least. So, one thing, Annika Langvad retired before uh, this race. And she, until this year, was. Re- you know, really known for her uh, short track capabilities. And that was not something that we were going to have, it, that we had at world championships this year. But Val de Sol has actually just announced that next year there will be a short track uh, rainbow jersey awarded. And so, yeah, I look forward to seeing, you know, somebody like Evie Richards who dominated this year and Enrique Avancini um, athletes who might not have had the chance to get a rainbow jersey might have a bit of a better chance next year.
0: I could see that maybe changing... The XCO races a little bit. Some racers may want a short track rainbow jersey, and that would change their training, I imagine, the focus of it. Um, so that could change things on that front, too.
5: Yeah, because you didn't really have the opportunity to ever win in a rainbow jersey in, in short track before. So why would you specialize in that? But maybe we'll see more athletes taking it even more seriously.
3: Makes sense. Are so there's e-bike world championships, There
0: should definitely be a short track world championships. Everybody gets a special jersey. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you.
0: Next up, we're talking downhill world champs. But first, we have interviews with the winners, Reese Wilson and Camille Balanche.
6: We're two days down the, two days down the line now. Uh, kind of started to settle in or you've not even had a chance to kind of think of what you've just achieved
7: i had the chance but like everything is just going so fast and i had to move on because we're already in maribos so i don't know it's a weird feeling
6: <laughs> maybe next week when we have some more time off it'll start yeah, sinking a bit i'm
7: gonna have Swiss champ as well so I, but for sure once i'm gonna be home with my friend my family i'm gonna have time like to just think about it again and be like oh yeah i just made it and mm-hmm. just enjoy it a little bit more than here with like all the stress around yeah but i'm really happy for sure i really stoked
6: what was the what was your race run like
7: <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing crazy actually like i said from i went just for one run in the morning and i crashed i felt bad i was like i knew i had to change some stuff on my bike so i changed the real tire i put the full dirty down and bit more pesa in my fork and i wanted to go for a second one to try but i knew i'm gonna crash again i was like um, desperate i was like nah i'm just gonna leave it like that and go for a safe run so my goal was really like just to take the service line don't try to go fast in a bit just like smooth don't take don't lose too much energy just like cruise the i mean just go Smooth for the upper part and then cruise the bottom part in the forest and just stay on my bike and don't really try not to go too fast and yeah it's just walk out.
6: <laughs> when you when you cross the line, do you have like any idea that that might hold or?
7: I was I was first of all I was so happy I was just at the bottom like on my bike that was like oh I was like over the moon and then I just heard that I want yeah, I had the best time and I knew like Pompon was in front of me and like Tani, and so good, good rider. So I was like, oh, so I'm actually on the podium. So I was like, wow, that's insane. I was just, but I think the first thing I thought, ta- I think was really like, oh, I'm just happy to be there in one mm-hmm. piece. And I didn't even think about like becoming a world champion, honestly.
6: Well, I guess you would have been super stoked with even just a medal. I
7: think. Yeah, like, for sure, buzzing. for sure. But then, I, was, <laughs> I have to say, like, when it was just Tracy, I was second. And then I I was happy for sure, but I was like, no. Now, now that I'm second, like, everyone knows, like, seven and third is a bit for nothing at all So I was like, no, I really hope now I won, because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have the chance now. And, yeah, I was like, please, like, I really want to win now. So just when Tracy went down, I was like, no, actually, I really want that rainbow jersey, but... Mm-hmm you yeah, know it's just I was just waiting and yeah it was it was crazy. How many years have you been racing World Cups now? It's my third year. You're only your third yeah.
6: yeah it's like you could follow it year on year you were getting higher and higher and higher I think was it was it just last year you got your
7: first yeah, podium? Yeah the first year I just did two World Cups mm-hmm. just to try and yeah. last year I did the, the whole season mm-hmm. and I had the third and fifth and yeah that was already insane but a lot of good rider where injured so it's always hard to know where you will be and this year I could felt in the French Cup and just like other races that I've been yeah I'm faster for sure and I feel more confident and just now looking at this track I've been there last year and I kind of look at the stuff and I'm like oh why I was scared of this passage and so so it's really cool like just to see Mm -hmm. I've been improving and yeah it's just really nice to see that I'm getting better and I enjoy it, yeah. yeah.
6: And you you have a bit, a better setup around you this year. Oh yeah, uh, you, for sure, you yeah. You joined Dorval. How's uh, that, has that helped you a lot, do you think? Yeah, being, a lot. I focus. mean,
7: everything, like we did the training camps, testing camp, which I never did before. And I have a really good bike and a mechanic and the whole team who support me, plus the guy who really good riders. And I, I learned a lot from them, like how they manage to train, what are they looking for for the line, like my little details, like we we're just watching my run yesterday. And he asked me why I uh, took off my wheel off the ground just before the motorway. And I didn't even realize that, yeah, I could have, I should have pushed there like a pump track. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I, I didn't notice that. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of detail that I'm learning from them. And. It's
6: just
7: really cool, yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. It you, me a lot. Are you with them again next year, or yeah, I had the two years come through okay. yeah. Two days down the line, mate. How does that feel? Has it sunk in at all, or is it still, still dream living?
4: Yeah, it's been a really, really unique few days, to be honest. Um, I expected, expected something to have sunk in yet, but there's there's been a really strange set of emotions, to be honest. I'm kind of. Obviously, we've just driven straight to the next race, so I'm kind of half focusing on racing, but getting reminded quite often by everybody that I'm world champ, so yeah, it's been really strange, really strange. Um, obviously, I'm more than happy, mm-hmm. but uh, also very focused on just racing this weekend as well, so yeah, strange. It's been a strange few days.
6: <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a hectic weekend, I guess, for you, because everybody said you were looking good in practice, you're doing some wild stuff, and... But then, obviously, quality didn't go didn't go your way. Did that take the pressure off of the race at all, or did you just know if you could get a clean run down, you'd be you'd be at the sharp end of things?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I've kind of been saying, everybody from second run in, I was feeling really, really good. Um, and I kind of knew, I, yeah, it was it was definitely a weekend that I could be competitive, which I felt in previous years. I, at that point in practice, I definitely haven't felt that way. And then once my kind of phone started blowing up, I had a lot of people messaging me. Yeah, I guess that kind of that started to get to my head. So I started put my phone down, and then uh, in qualifying, it just yeah, I just really overthought simple things and made made a, a silly mistake that ended up costing me a whole qualifying run. So yeah, I was a bit bummed, but I think after that, I actually put more pressure on myself. Um, because, again, I knew that there wasn't going to be many opportunities like that to be at World Champs on a track that I was enjoying so much. So, yeah, I really put a lot of pressure on myself, but, um, yeah, I, I guess it paid off, so it was it was good. I think I would have preferred that compared to having a good result in qualifying. It would have been a different pressure, and I definitely preferred the position I was in. Mm-hmm.
6: Does that kind of, obviously, being Scottish and stuff, you're riding in a lot of shitty conditions quite a lot of the time. Do you reckon that helps at all, or...? maybe you just cracked on or that didn't think anything about it just I mean it was probably
4: yeah it was probably a subconscious thing like we're, we're obviously more used to the cold our entire off season is spent in like bottom bracket deep snow at times wind chill rain and you just kind of have to get on with it so yeah it was you know you look outside oh it's raining sweet and then that's the last you think about it so I think in that sense yeah it probably would have benefited me but at the end of the day you still had to be a great bike rider and you had to be a great racer you had to use your head for that track you had to have a really good track iq you had to predict it and i feel like i had done a really good job of that put it all together so yeah yeah i guess the the being familiar with those conditions definitely helps yeah. i mean when you
6: cross the line you're eight seconds into the green or something what do you think then you're like um, this could this could be it, or like, this could be top 10. Actually,
4: it was a bit weird. Yeah, it was a bit weird when I turned around it, it was red on the thing, there was like a plus red, so I actually didn't think I'd done it, and the run felt like, well, fair enough, yeah, somebody probably could have beat that. But there was a two or three lines, I missed the triple, there was two or three lines in the woods that I didn't do, and I just played it kind of safe, but carried speed. So yeah, when I I seen that, I was like, oh no, and then the the commentator said, oh, you're seven seconds up, and everybody else, I looked around and saw everybody's faces, and that's kind of when I was like, oh, wow. That's a pretty big. That's a pretty big time gap, and then just forgot about it after that, and just sat there and waited. To be honest, for those top ten guys to come down because I thought they would definitely be close, if not beating me. So yeah, it was yeah. a long wait. It was a very long wait. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what long, place I came down in, but it was it was a long, long wait.
6: Yeah, I think it was maybe your mid thirties, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah well, it was number board like thirty-two or something. So I guess it was around that.
6: Mm. I guess uh, well, I mean your your downhill career has been pretty short, really. All things considered, you came into juniors quite late and things. Um, it's a pretty crazy story, hey?
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I don't think many people know it because, of course, I didn't really have the profile for people to pay attention to begin with. But, yeah. like, 2013 was my first ever year riding downhill bikes at all. I didn't even know what they were before that, really. Um 2014, I was second year junior. It was my first year racing. I went straight to getting, like, three seventh places yeah. at, at World Cups as a privateer junior. hmm And then, yeah, after that, just got plagued with injury after injury after injury. I had, I think I've had five operations now in the last six years. Um, I've missed three or four off seasons completely with recovering from surgery. So really, yeah, if you take out all of that time, it's been a collective three years, maybe, of actual productive time where I've not been injured. So... Yeah. yeah. it's really not been that much, but I think you have to go through that as a rider, it's really good. It teaches you a lot. You know, yeah. what I mean when you're sat on a sofa watching everybody else ride and a, a few of the injuries were just silly mistakes, things I shouldn't have been doing in the first place. So you learn a lot and uh yeah, I think it's it's benefited me now for I sure. Feel like we
6: should uh throw a shout out to RC maybe?
4: <laughs> yeah, Ruri Cunningham was was a massive part of uh of where I am at the minute. He he kinda I guess he found me in a way. He um AK got me on a bike originally and kind of saw something that nobody else saw and really kind of focused me into giving this a good shot so mm-hmm. yeah without him i probably never would have even started riding downhill bikes so yeah. yeah big love to him
6: speaking to max just there he was saying uh your dad was your dad was like mid-moto or something when the results came through or something it was on the commentary and stuff like that
4: yeah, yeah so i've been racing motocross for since i was like six years old right up to 18. Obviously my dad got me into that. He's been racing for like twenty something years and chasing a Scottish championship all his life and it took him till into the veteran class over fifties to actually win one and he actually won a world title in America at Pala a couple of years ago as a veteran motocross rider. So yeah. yeah, two world champions in the house now. <laughs> but yeah, he's um he played a massive part in it for sure and I think he was pretty emotional when they told him as he's going out for his last race of the Round the Scottish Championship this weekend and got told his son was world champion, so I can imagine that was a bit of an experience for him.
6: Yeah. How did that compare to Fort William? Was it two yeah, two years ago?
4: Um yeah, 2018. That was that was a pretty crazy one. Um I'd say I almost enjoyed after that more. It made more sense to me. Yeah. Um I was kind of just treating this this last World Champs as a World Cup, you know, it's the first race of the year and I was kinda like, Oh, it's just a World Cup didn't really expect to win until it got there so i hadn't really had time to plan that one out yeah. but fort william has been dreaming since 2014 going there i've been dreaming of getting a podium and the feeling of walking out into that crowd at, at home and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah that that really that really was special i'd say probably and it, because it was the first ever podium that's that was a really special moment and obviously the, the way the way racing is this year with no crowds and stuff that made it, it was a weird atmosphere because mm-hmm. yeah. you only really have the riders there and the few team managers and stuff there so there wasn't that much of a cheer and stuff so yeah, it's been a really strange, it was a strange weekend, but obviously it's going to mean a lot once it settles in. Yeah.
6: Now, I guess, the first time we've, this weekend will be the first time you can actually pull on those stripes and get between the clock again, so that'll be a pretty special,
4: special yeah. feeling. Yeah, I think it's going to be really strange to see photos in a World Champs jersey. <laughs> that is uh, that is really strange, it's, it's the best guys in the world normally wear, wear that thing, so... Yeah, I mean, again, it, it doesn't really change anything for me. I'm, I'm riding my bike really well at the minute. And I'm really enjoying it. And regardless of whether I won this race, last race, race at the weekend, I'd still be coming here confident and feeling the same. Um, I feel now I'm, I'm one of those top five guys, and I just need to find that consistency. That's where you become a good racer or a great racer is when you can do it every single weekend. So, like I said, I'm just learning so much, progressing a lot, and uh, things are moving pretty fast, so just... Yeah, learn how to put the puzzles together every single weekend and, and we should be good to go. But I'm feeling good. I've got a new approach this year. I'm in a different place mentally and really enjoying it and feeling good. So yeah.
0: So those were your winners. Reese Wilson, Camille Blanche. Casimir, what did you think of that race? It looked pretty rowdy, eh? Yeah, I man, I was
3: such a big fan. I like when races aren't totally predictable and I was crazy like yeah. You just didn't know what was going to happen. Even the best guys watching them slide down like penguins and you could just feel for the athletes. Like when their tires got fully clogged with mud and they get stuck in like the mud would get stuck in their fenders and they had to push uphill. And like, I'm glad not every race is like this, but it was kind of cool to have one, like just, you know, such a spectacle.
1: Yeah. It, it reminds me of Fort William in 2017, um, where it was a fresh cut course and combine that with some kind of not great weather. And you have a recipe for one of those races. Um, I think maybe pink bike, pink bike comments created a bit of a monster there, you know, like for years there's been talk about how gang's boring and bike parky and um, one line and then um, you kind of feel like the track builders went, oh, you want some tech? Do you hear some tech, you know, um, straight down through the woods and yeah, racing in October um, we got some storms, got some snow and it just kind of got tore up. Yeah, you got to kind of feel for the trail builders, too, though, because it would have been like if conditions
3: were good, that track looked amazing, like mm-hmm. super fast, like the turns are in the right place. The, everything, for the most part, looked pretty well done. There are a few little weird, weird bits like that wooden, uh, wooden bridge they had to go over after like like an off camera wooden bridge didn't look ideal. But they had that canyon gap in there. And yeah, it was pretty wild. But then I don't think they no one could have predicted that level of wetness, I don't think, and what the track would turn into. But only a couple people fell into the net after the canyon gap
1: we saw some um kind of different setup things going on as well obviously a lot of riders changed to flat pedals saw hand guards for the first time in downhill racing um do you think that was just to kind of keep keep mud off the grips why, why do you think that was uh, i think some of that
3: some of it was like for cold hands too like they're keeping their hands warm just to like the wind blowing against you but yeah it probably keeps a little bit of mud it's like i think any little thing that can help uh and even, I mean, handguards also do protect your grips. So if you're going to be crashing a lot, not protect your grips, but they uh, protect your brakes. So if you're going to crash a lot, it could potentially keep your brakes in the same position when you pick your bike up out of the muck. Because that was another thing riders are struggling with. They crash, try to get restarted, and then you know, their levers are off kilter. I think Bruni had something go on with his lever, it looked like.
5: It was kind of and insane it, to see, like, the world's best riders. Like, the only other time that we see them a little bit out of their element, I think, is, like, at Red Bull Hardline. But this was, you know... A, normal right, world championships and they all looked kind of out of their element like they didn't like Aaron gwynn didn't even look like he knew how to ride a bike and you're like that guy knows how to ride a bike but
3: yeah he's from southern california because then you did kind of see a little bit of geographical like influence you know like i mean used the, the winner um well i guess you know camille swiss and reese's scott he's scottish right yeah i make sure i don't say the wrong country someone <laughs> will destroy me but yeah so he's scottish and then like Mark Wallace looked pretty good out there. You know, he's got his uh, BC background. So I think some of that probably could have helped. Just guys that are comfortable in the, in the mud. And then Remy, like Remy Theron, Um, He's always just like a mud techie wizard.
5: That was probably the most insane run. That was, <laughs> yeah, I don't know so how wild. he.
3: <laughs> yeah, like one foot, just doing like a full knack knack, like sideways, one foot behind him,
1: like some ballet dancer moves in
3: there.
5: I'm <laughs> but, glad that was, yeah, top three. That was amazing.
1: Yeah. I think, like, we loved it because we kind of appreciate what's going on. But I wonder what someone who maybe isn't as into mountain biking or maybe tuning in for the first time would think of it. I feel like we like the spectacle, but as a sport, it kind of didn't look super great. Are you worried that it made mountain biking look silly? <laughs> that that could never happen, Mike. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think some of it could seem silly, like especially the, the riders that ended up being to, like, when they're like punching their bikes, trying to clear the mud off and just like pushing uphill. But then the ones that pulled it off in the mud, that would be something like a a non-rider could look at like, whoa, those people are crazy. Like look at them go down, how gross it is. And I think there's a bit of like monster truck mentality in there that is like, that could be appealing for non-riders, but it kind of depends which rider you watch.
5: Yeah. It was almost like a parody, like watching the first riders come down and just like Handlebars turn, fall over. Handlebars turn, uh-huh. fall over, and it's snowing. And you're like, "What am I watching?"
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where did Where did Gwyn end up placing?
5: Twenty six. He and Minara were fighting for twenty sixth place. <laughs> yeah, and they, you know, were point zero one seconds apart.
0: Should have been on the donut. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: think his bike is longer than a donut. Yeah, Probably Minara's really, bike's yeah. pretty long these days. He keeps adding those
0: like more and more extenders, so it's like. <laughs> His chainstays are the same as his reach now, I think. <laughs> Did you guys see anything interesting besides the handguards in terms of bike setup? It sounds like the course was pretty demanding with the weather. Um, was there any interesting tire choices or were they all just like the usual most aggressive spikes you can get and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it was pretty cool to see like full mud spikes come out now. Like, because usually
3: even in races when they have mud spikes, they're cut. So there mm-hmm. are people that looked look like running full spikes, so... Some Max's wet screams, that new uh, Max's mud tire, definitely plenty of Schwalbe dirty bands. And you said more platform pedals as well, too, obviously. Uh huh. Yeah, a few riders switched to that. And even listening to some interviews, there were some riders that were like, I probably should have used flats because they couldn't clip back in. Like, I think even Gwen was saying he was struggling to clip back into his pedals, which makes sense because you step in like a foot of mud and try to put that back in. Yeah. Um, Probably not something his pedal sponsor wants to hear, but yeah, it's, you know, you're going down the steepest slope imaginable with a shoot you know just barely balancing on the platform
0: so. right probably lots of moto foam on those bikes too i imagine yeah they probably spray them with like silicone
3: spray or something anything they can to keep the mud from sticking
0: what's the status with tear-offs at the world cups can riders still use tear-offs and were you guys seeing that a lot
3: uh, it was mostly roll-offs but there were tear-offs you can still use tear-offs you know because after the race is over they do walk the course and clean that stuff up so yeah. like you shouldn't be using tear-offs on your local riding zone because that's just dumb but uh there was a mix of ride of uh, roll-offs, and, or, sorry, um, yeah, roll-offs and tear-offs, but there was a couple of riders that went to pull one tear-off and then just pulled the whole group of them off. So then there's <laughs> like, oh, there goes all of my stuff and you just can't see. And so I guess yeah, you know, just like goggle management is yeah, like... Yeah, take the
0: goggles off and squint about it, eh? Yeah, uh-huh, when riders yeah.
5: crashed and like lost their goggles, that, that looked pretty difficult yeah. to finish the rest of the race run. Were there
3: yeah. some so many rowdy v- crashes? Yeah, and so many visors came off. Like, mm. I would say that's the most visorless riding I've seen. Maybe <laughs> throwing ever. it back like, to the early 90s, boys. Yeah, I like, like it. <laughs> it was amazing. And I felt Air bad dynamics. about the riders, obviously. Like, it's just so funny how bad helmets look without visors. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. But, like, yeah, because everyone just crashes that gets stuck in the mud and they get up and there's no visor. So yeah. Everybody wants Nikolai off and, Rogatkin. Yeah. Seats <laughs> are like, coming, coming Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's like a, a decent handful of people without seats trying to ride down. And I was just like, don't even, you shouldn't ride anymore. Like, don't ride <laughs> it's down. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> How would and, the mud make yeah. the seat come off? <laughs> they just crash hard. I don't, well, if you crash in that, like the triple stump section, like, yeah. that's where Brooke McDonald crashed hard and it was like the worst thing to watch. It's like, no, Brooke, don't do anything. Yeah, don't, like, Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah he took a such a hard moment. slam. Yeah. It was like
3: eight feet to his shoulder. Just like.
5: Yeah.
3: It's a good thing he's built tough, but still.
5: Yeah, like, that was scary. It was, like, yeah. one year after he crashes at Molsonan, and, whew, yeah, my heart definitely stopped when he crashed on his back again right there.
3: Yeah, and it seemed like a race that once you crash, you're just going to keep crashing like the whole way down. Like, the guys that didn't crash then held it together. They're the people that I helped in the results, but then once they did crash, there was no regaining it, and
1: they were just like...
5: Yeah, you could tell, like, in their head they wanted to regain it. Like, mm-hmm. they wanted to get those seconds back that they'd, you know, messed up with the crash, but, yeah, once you... Yeah. Although Troy Brosnan, I'd say, he crashed, and then... His second part was pretty flawless. Yeah, like, he, until the crash, after the crash, it was pretty flawless. So, if he hadn't had yeah, a crash. He wanted it. Uh,
3: poor, poor, poor Troy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the key was probably keeping your gloves, like, out of the mud. Keeping the mud off mm-hmm. off the gloves and grips. I think as soon as they get, like, contaminated, you're, you're yeah, going to hide into so, nothing then. So, so slippery. Yeah. yeah, I
5: think somebody said that. Or somebody said that about uh, Greg Minar's crash that obviously he's a season pro because he crashed like with his hands up in the air. Like <laughs> yeah, just, he like, slid so <laughs> far.
3: <laughs> I know, he's just like a penguin. There's so yeah. many like you'd see like the body mark in the mud and yeah. he just sliding. How'd Sam Hill do? He did great. Just probably sitting on his couch watching. Uh, enjoying but speaking the dry of EWS riders,
5: we had Noga Corum there, Rafaela Richter, so interesting to see some of yeah. these riders who actually like got their start in EWS moving over to try some downhill races. Mm-hmm.
3: Jack Maher's a EWS guy mm. now, right? Yeah. And what did he play sixth, six, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty good for a yeah, someone who kinda got kicked off his team last year. This year's new team. He's like, Oh look, I can ride a bike. I told you. Wait, he got kicked <laughs> off his team? Not kicked off. They just didn't renew his contract. Like he didn't he didn't yeah. get re upped on intense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now he's on Canyon. So it's a good score for Canyon because he's delivering some impressive EWS results. EWS
5: and Yeah, podiuming, or at
3: least getting top ten in both the yeah. disciplines. Wow. Yeah, and for Noga I saw her post a little funny thing like, Come try downhill, they said. It's like a bike park, they said.
5: <laughs> 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 yeah. It would have been the year to ride that bike parky course. Like if yeah, they hadn't totally. changed the course, people probably wouldn't have been complaining about it this year, yeah. even if it was yeah. the old course, you know?
1: Yeah. I thought it was good to see some first time winners. Neither of those, uh, neither Camille nor Issa, have won a World Cup, and it was cool to see them take their first kind of big international wins um, at the World Champs. Also, a first gold medal at the World Championships for Scotland and a first women's World Championship gold medal in Downhill for Switzerland. So, some cool results there. Um, Camille, I thought, held it together really well. Like, at one point, she was like straddling the top tube, both legs out, but she seemed to have just the fight to to hold it all together and in the end it was staying upright in that wood section that that won it for her she was the only woman i think to to have a clean wood section
5: yeah even miriam nicole i think said that she her goal was just to hold it together and not crash and i mean it must have been so difficult for her because her ankle is still not fully recovered after her her crash a year and a half ago i guess two years ago um so she came last year, won world championships, never got to wear those stripes except for this year. <laughs> yeah.
4: <that's laughs> um,
5: but yeah, right. it must have been so hard for her, like dabbing in the mud all weekend. And she posted a photo. I don't know if you guys saw it. She had bruises all over her like entire body from crashing so much in the, uh, in the yeah, days coming up and, and after the world champs.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for the winners, it's cool to see people win that might not normally see win but that like deserved it not that people don't deserve to win but you know sometimes you get a race where the first half is raining and it stops raining and you're, like this was consistently crappy conditions for everybody and these are the people that just able to like pull it all together so it's not like they're surprise winners but not people who are like don't expect them you don't like i would expect to see reese and camille have strong results in the future too you know so that's kind of cool to see they just were able to like pull it all together and get that win
1: yeah it definitely seemed like reese was on a good weekend i'm sure everyone saw that like stump triple he did he was the only person Mm -hmm. doing that through there and then unfortunately we didn't see much of his actual winning run because he was in kind of one minute gaps so red you know the uci or the red bull or whoever's broadcasting it tries to show as many rides as possible and we we didn't see the woods section which is probably where he won it but yeah it seemed like he was on a good weekend you know i don't think there's any kind of hint that there was there was fluke about it or anything like that yeah
0: Imagine being a World Cup racer and being so good that the other World Cup racers aren't doing the triple stump gap, whatever it is that you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. not only are you a World Cup racer, but you're doing something that no other World Cup racers are doing. And maybe yeah, they're like, not doing it because it wasn't as quick for them or whatever, but yeah, Unreal yeah when other people are talking about you in practice like the best
3: people in the world are like hey, have you seen that guy he's doing some pretty good things in practice like that's yeah. that's pretty cool you know you're on something so right. that's what happened with reese so yeah congrats to reese and camille for yeah, i I'm cool to see, like
5: the swiss cross-country team like uh yolanda F was out there supporting obviously luca shaw but also you know the swiss team she was like they didn't win a medal in cross country which is kind of you know expected for the swiss team but then they win a medal in in downhill which is you know, switching it up yeah switch it yeah. up get the downhill medals for switzerland
4: yeah
3: yeah oh and the junior men's world champ this was his first world champ it's his first year as a junior yeah, this yeah. is his first world cup ish race like yeah and he won how's world champion his yeah first he didn't race, have a whole basically. lot
5: of practice coming into this
3: one <laughs> <No>. like <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh. it's only downhill <laughs> from here <laughs> <Uh-oh>. yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah it's a oyson oh, o'callahan from ireland so uh,
5: what about cool. favorite crash
0: you have favorite crashes?
5: I what
3: like, well, crashes. I hate crashes. Like Friday fails yeah. and that stuff. I hate I don't that. Do like like you watch
0: Friday fails?
3: No. No, no right? I hate it yeah, so much. Yeah, me neither.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sir, do you like, watch? There are we some funny ones.
5: We've crashed too many times to appreciate Friday fails. It's like, oh, what happened? Where did he end up? Did he, is he okay? Yeah. Yeah. I, don't watch
0: him. I don't want to see people getting hurt. I don't understand yeah. the Friday fails, but no, I did. Whatever. I did enjoy
5: Menar's crash and then also Tawny Seagrave when when she like crashed and like slid down past her bike, and then had to go back up. Yeah. It looked so hard to, like, mm. go back up the uh, up the course. And it was almost like, I think she posted something afterwards, like, oh, that was on the live feed? Like, ooh, darn <laughs> it. And you can hear some riders, yeah. like, swearing, like, Eleonora Farino when she, like, got her mudguard all full of mud. And oh, just, yeah. like, she had to DNF because, like, she couldn't roll down the hill, and you could just see, like, the frustration from some riders. And, yeah, it was... It was almost like a parody of mountain bikers. Yeah.
3: Like the funny crashes. I can, I can appreciate that. But yeah, overall like the hard crashes. I don't want to see any of that.
5: No, no. Like Brooks crash. But yeah. Like like watching Valley Hall of Shoot. If I'd seen that crash. crash.
0: I'm glad I didn't see that. That sounds gross. So that's it for our world champs coverage. There's plenty of racing to come still. Kaz, we got world cups this weekend, don't we? So we got tons of bike stuff coming, tons of race coverage. Uh, But what we're going to do next, comment gold. That's how we end every episode. First comment gold is from PB user RKS Tar, RK Star.
5: I would say RK Star, not yeah.
0: <laughs> RKS Tar. <R-K-S-Tar? laughs> from here on in, i, I, I mispronounce like everybody's I name. <laughs> this was on the Pinkbike Academy. For the Pinkbike Academy trailer, mixed, mixed comments on there. There were, some, there were some grumblings. He says, I may have just lost all respect for Pinkbike. He also says, he can't wait to watch.
5: Yeah, there might be some complaints, but I think people are pretty excited. I'm yeah, pretty excited. Like the first two episodes are, that I've seen, got a sneak yeah. peek, are pretty awesome.
3: Yeah. They're pretty good. I'm entertained. Like I can, it's fine if you, you can hate on it all you want, but it's also fine if it's your guilty pleasure and you watch yeah. it and no one else knows because it's just goofing off. Like to watch people. reality yeah. TV. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Jay. He at 142, he tagged Brian Park in this. Oh, this is in the VPN article. He says, uh, makes sense. It did feel a bit rushed. Happy to have James Killen again now that mountain boarding season is over. So he says, thanks for that VPN article, James, now that you're done mountain boarding. That's okay. How was it this year? Yeah, it's good. If he ever wants to come and
1: um, surf the turf with me, he's he's always welcome. (laughs) I was imagining
5: the sand. Not not turf. I don't
1: know. It's all mountain. You can do whatever you
3: want with it. Yeah. That's don't true. say all mountain. We're not allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> uh, I do want to come out and board with
0: you sometimes, James. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Show us the ropes. Hey. Yeah. I'll I'm wear just a like plain right away. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and our last comment. It's on the PB Academy. It's from Marty Flux McFly. He says, "Vlad, of course, there's a clip of you with your shirt off, spraying water." spraying yourself with a hose. Of course there is. He says, this is going to be good. I agree. I think this is going to be real two. good. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> all right, that's it for episode 27. We will see all you pinkers next week.